0: Scripture reading comes from Romans 7, verses 1 through 6. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from from the law of marriage, accordingly, for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. The word of the Lord. Father, you know our hearts, you know what we believe in at our core, and we ask, dear God, that we would take this word and apply it to our lives, not only today, but in our coming, in the coming week and in the rest of our lives. Help us to know you in a more close way and to have a closer relationship with you through this word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
1: Well, welcome. It's good to be together this morning and open God's Word. We are in a series, if you're just joining us, where we're looking at Romans 6 to 8. You see on the front of your bulletin, Equipped in the Spirit. The uh, premise of our series is that we've been set free uh, from our slavery to sin, and we've been given a newness of life in Christ equipped by the Spirit, the Spirit which invites us to belong to Jesus, believe, uh, and then also belong to one another. So, that's where we've been. Today, we are going to look at actually a third picture that Paul gives us just in these last couple of chapters of of what it means to be set free. Uh, In the first part of chapter 6, he said, you actually died and you came alive. Uh, That was the first picture that he gave us. And then he gave us a a second picture where he said, you were enslaved, but now you've been set free. And then this third picture is, is one that pertains to marriage, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, A lot of what Paul has to say here has to do with our life in Christ by grace through faith, Uh, not of works lest no man should boast, uh, or so that no man will boast. Uh, and, and And the works so much tie up with the law. And, and when Paul is talking about the law here, he's not specifically talking about the Jewish ceremonial law. He's, he's talking more generally about this moral code that, that all are born into and under. Uh, and what he's saying is, is that that moral code has no power to save you. And in fact, if, if you look to the moral code to, to save you, either to your obedience of it or if you are reckoning with your failures to walk by it, uh, it's going to lead you to death. A friend of mine, uh, her name is Charity, she talks about uh, she and her husband are, are missionaries. They've recently come off the field for a year at home. And she was writing about sort of her own relationship to the law and, and how this uh, operates in her life, both in terms of pride as well as in despair. She says, I've literally been reminded this evening by someone I deeply respect and care about that I am a judgmental person and I don't take the time to wonder enough about people to really know them and love them. As I realize this, my gut reaction is shame, and I feel exposed, so I move to defend myself in my head and often in my words uh, as well to the people that are reminding me of this. But the reality is they're right. I am judgmental so, so often. I don't wonder enough about people, which is another way of saying that I don't really love people well. This is true, and this is why I need Jesus. And it's also true that somehow, in the midst of all of my back and forth, Jesus still chooses me, he still loves me, he still uses me. It's precisely because I'm judgmental and ashamed, longing to throw up walls so that you'll never see just how bad it is in my my heart or other times when I'm functioning out of my secure walls, yet not really functioning. It's at these times that Jesus steps in and reminds me that it's all about him. He is the only one who will get the glory. It's humbling, but it's very helpful as I prepare to step back off the mission field into our lives in the states, which include people whom I judge and people I don't always wonder about or love very well. Yet, I do love many of them, and that must be from Jesus. Do you, do you see how the, the law works? You know, the just the most basic of laws, or maybe the most compli- complicated, comprehensive of laws, to love. You know, And as we, we, we wrestle with that, you know, if we do it well, pride. If we do it poorly, shame. Uh, as, we, as we fail, it brings death both in ourselves as well as for other people. And what charity is pointing us to, and I think this is where, where Paul is ultimately going, is that there is something that is greater than the law. There, there is a relationship that, if we will own it and, and we allow this relationship to to fill us and define us and identify us, it's a relationship that that transforms what the law it, it can do, what it what is powerless to do and It's transformed through this relationship, and that's what this passage is about. So, let's walk through it. We got three. Uh, three concepts today. The first is this principle that Paul is getting at. We want to understand what he's saying in the first three verses. Then we'll ask ourselves, what's the point of the principle? Like, why is Paul sharing this principle with us? And then thirdly, what's, what is this, what is the application, what is the produce uh, of, of this principle in our lives? So, the principle Paul goes here, again, we're talking about law, not just strict Jewish ceremonial code. He he goes to marriage, and as marriage, he's talking about something that is universal. He's talking about something that is what we would call a common grace principle. It's for everybody. Marriage is not just for Christians. It's for everybody, uh, between a man and a woman, and for life. And that's where Paul is saying, you know this. Uh, He's speaking, remember, he's speaking in the Roman Church to people who are Jews and Gentiles, who are slaves and free. So he's speaking to a broad group of people, and he's saying, you understand the principle of marriage, uh, that when you are married, there is this covenant that is formed. Uh, You can almost think about it as as a new relationship. Uh, There is the the husband, the wife, they come together and now they're the (laughs) husband-wife. There's this this new relationship that is there. And that covenant uh, is is forever. Uh, That covenant is there until it is broken. Let's just put it that way. Uh, that covenant exists. Now, the most definitive way that it is broken is by death, and that's what Paul is saying here. Uh, ordinarily, the way that it's supposed to work is that that covenant exists until uh, uh, one of the spouses dies, at which point that covenant is broken and and there is freedom to to marry again. Uh, you're free from that covenant. Covenant. Uh, before that, if you are, and we recognize this, if you are married to somebody and you have a relationship with somebody else, you're in what we call adultery. You're you're in a relationship that's that's illicit. Now. This is not, uh, this passage is not meant to be comprehensive with all the ways that a covenant can be broken, this marriage covenant. We know, for instance, Jesus is teaching uh, in the book of Matthew that uh, it can be broken through adultery. Uh, later on, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 7 that this marriage covenant can also be broken by desertion. But here he's speaking of the most definitive way that the covenant is broken. And he's doing that because he's making a point. The point is that once that covenant is definitively broken uh, in a marriage, then you are free to, to marry another, to be married uh, to another. Now, this is uh, especially... True, or this is especially pertinent. You know, if you are in a a less than uh, joyful marriage, uh, one way that that covenant is broken is is by death, and and there might be the sense of the spouse that is left uh, of of relief. There might be a, a sense of uh, new possibilities, new hope. Uh, with regards to future relationships now that this covenant is broken. So, that's the principle that, that Paul is talking about. Now, why is, what's the point of the principle? What is, he, what is he wanting to communicate to us? Well, what he's wanting to communicate is that this is an apt picture of our relationship to the law. Well, we we were married to the law. We were in a relationship to the law, and, and this relationship was not a good one. It was a relationship that that produced. Death is what the the word is that is here. It's a relationship that that didn't produce joy. It didn't produce lovely fruit. It it produced uh, ugly fruit, things that we heard from charity, things like uh, judgmentalism, things like uh, uh, shame and guilt, pride, all of these different things. This is the, the kind of fruit that is produced when we look to the law to be our Savior. But what Paul is saying, and this is verse 4, verse 4 is just such a, a clear and beautiful picture of the gospel, he's saying a death has occurred. There has been a definitive breaking of the covenant that was leading to death. And there is now the possibility of a a remarriage, a a new relationship that is full of life and joy and beauty. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is wanting to communicate to this church who's saying, you understand what it's like to be in a bad relationship, but here is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that that relationship is definitively over. When you died in Christ, and remember, this was the language back in chapter 6. You know, we died, we're buried with Christ, raised to Him, newness of life. A death has occurred. Uh, Paul says it again, we have died, therefore that old covenant is broken, and we are free to be, and what does he say in verse 4? He says, we are free to belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. It's just such a beautiful picture of what the gospel is. We are released from the toxic relationship And set free to belong to another, to a beautiful spouse who will nurture us, who will cherish us, who will love us. And and, and Paul makes that point all throughout here. He's using language that speaks of being bound and being released. He speaks of language that means to be subjugated under the tyranny of one versus one who has been set free into this beautiful relationship that that Paul is talking about. And this is the, the picture of the scriptures, right? That that God has come and he has married a people. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. He has come to win us. We, we see it in the imagery of, of the Lord's Supper, as we'll talk about uh, later. We see it in the, the culmination of all things. I mean, we're heading for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Why? Because we have been set free from the old relationship, and we have been brought into the beautiful relationship with jesus christ it's a beautiful relationship that nurtures us that cherishes us that presents this is why we love the language of ephesians 5 you know jesus is the spouse he's the husband the bridegroom that cherishes his bride and 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 cleans her sanctifies her presenting her holy and blameless that's the relationship that we have been invited into. It's so different than the relationship of the law, pride, shame, uh, judgmentalism. This is a relationship of humility, a relationship of being received and loved. It's a relationship of life versus a relationship of death. And, and that's Paul's point here. He, he goes on to say uh, we are married by Christ, and note he says, by the one who has been raised from the dead, I mean there is a virility to Christ, there is a potency there is there is life in this one, he is not a dead lover; he is so alive, a- and it 's alive to produce. Fruit. You see that again, verse 4, uh, likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to him, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit to God it's just such a you know this this is what we've been talking about as we've come to Romans we've said there's there's all of this beautiful theology particularly in chapters 1 to 11 and there are so many ways in which Paul teaches us that it's not by law but it's by grace that God has come to redeem a people to set us free to marry us as he's saying here so that we would produce fruit so that we would be the living sacrifices who go out into this world and note it's 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 a collective fruit. Uh, It's not just an individual fruit. He doesn't say so that you singular might produce fruit. He says so that we might produce fruit. We collective. And that's what he's been talking about in 12 to 16. We've got this community that's Jews and Gentiles, that's slaves and free, that's men and women very different people coming together to, to form this community that is only energized by the supernatural power of God. It doesn't happen on its own. You know, in the same way, Paul talks about chapter 12, you know, being zealous uh, with our hospitality and generosity. Those are things that don't happen according to the law. Those are things that don't happen by the flesh. Those things only happen when we have been married by Jesus, when we know what it means to, to be loved. It is only then that we can really, truly love one another from the heart. So it's this collective fruit uh, that, 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 that flows out, it flows out of the knowledge of, of who we are in Christ. Like I said, you know, as we look at 12 to 16, and again, I just encourage you as we read these passages 6 to 8... Read over and over again the very practical ways that Paul applies them in 12 to 16. You know, thinking of the weaker brother and sister, things like generosity, hospitality, um, giving to missions. Uh, Paul's very practical uh, in 12 to 16. There is, uh, in the linkage between what we believe and, and how we behave, we had a great picture of that, I think, this week. Some of you, I, I know, were following the, the case of Amber Geiger uh, down in a Texas courtroom and just how that played out over the, the course of the trial and then the sentencing. For those of you who don't know, uh, Amber Geiger is a 26 year old young woman who. Uh, was a police officer in the Dallas area and came home one night and was going into what she thought was her apartment. She had uh, served a long shift and somehow got confused about which apartment she was going into. As she went into this apartment, uh, she saw a man in there who she thought was an intruder. And uh, she, after some exchange, verbal commands, different things, Felt threatened, shot him in the heart, uh, and and he was he was killed. As many of you know, the the sadness of the story, besides, I mean, the ultimate sadness of the loss of life, was that she had gone into the wrong apartment. Uh, this man, his name was Bothin John, was in his own apartment. He also was a 26-year-old accountant. And uh, it, it was just a, a, a terrible, terrible misunderstanding that led to the loss of his life. She was convicted uh, at, on murder charges and was sentenced to 10 years in jail. Uh, during the course of that testimony, uh, or after the sentencing was done, uh, the brother of both and John, his brother Brant, Brandt, he was 18 years old, was allowed to give a victim impact statement. And, and here he addressed Amber directly. Uh, he, he said, I, I don't want to dwell on what you took from us. You know, we, we know what you took from us. But Here's what I want to say to you. If you're truly sorry, I can speak for myself, I forgive. And I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone can say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say that I hope you rot and die like my brother did, but I want the best for you. And I wasn't ever going to say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you, because I know that's exactly what both of them would want for you as well. And the best would be for you to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want. And again, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. And then this young man, 18 years old, turns to the judge and he said, I I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug? Please? And the judge said yes, and so Brant came down off of the box, and she literally ran and, and met him and they, they shared a, a deep embrace with lots of wails and tears. This is the produce of a life in the Spirit. We, we have no idea, we have no capacity to be able to forgive somebody like uh, Brant did. Unless we know what it's like to be forgiven. Unless we know what it's like to have been set free. Unless there is something that transcends the law, like it did in that courtroom. I mean, the law was playing itself out, but there was something that transcended the law. There was a beauty in a relationship, in a marriage. The marriage of Jesus to his people that allowed for something so wonderful and so Beautiful to transpire. Now, I know there's lots of things. There, there are even some more things that went on in that courtroom that speak to the beauty of Christ. But what I want to hold out to you is this. You know, as we listen to that story, it, it's easy to want to see ourselves in the place of Brant, Brant, uh, Jean. But the reality is we, we, only, we, only, uh, it, we only receive the, the full weight of that as if we see ourselves in the place of Amber, you know, the, the one who is in the dock and, and who is being offered life and offered relationship. And that's exactly what Paul says. You were under the law. But now a definitive act has happened. You have died. You've been set free from the law. And here comes one who is offering you forgiveness and love and acceptance. And you belong to Him. Run to Him. You know, know that embrace and know that beauty. Here's here's the last thing that I'll mention. You know, throughout, you'll see on the front of the bulletin, it says, equipped by the Spirit. You know, this is is what Christ has promised us, that as He was raised from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead inhabits you and me. In many ways, it's, it's the wedding ring. How do I know that I belong, that Lisa and I belong to each other? Well, it's an ontological truth, but it's sealed with a ring. And the Spirit is the seal that tells us that we belong to Christ. And so as you go out into this world, and I know it's, it's going to be tricky. My week was very tricky on a number of different fronts. I, I need the Spirit. In so many different ways, and you need the Spirit, but the promise is is that we walk not according to the written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. That's what Paul promises us. And as we get ready to come to the table, this is what we celebrate as believers. We celebrate that we are not our own, but we belong, body and soul, life and death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and that His Spirit takes up residence in us. And so as we struggle through our marriages or as we wrestle with our siblings or as we uh, you know, turn on the news and we get so frustrated and so angry as we're sitting in traffic and all of those different places in our lives, where we think, I cannot handle this and our judgmentalism comes out and our shame and all of those things. Jesus comes to us and says, I've married you. You are my beloved and the spirit I've given you to strive with your spirit so that you might know the joy of what it means to be in this relationship. Praise be to him uh, for his grace in coming down, offering forgiveness, and embracing His people. Father, as we just contemplate, wrestle with, open ourselves up to the the severe beauty of the gospel, Lord, I pray uh, that You would seal it to our hearts. I, I especially pray for those this morning that are feeling beaten down by the law Lord, we, we try so hard sometimes with that law. We want to keep it. We want it to justify us. We want it to give us beauty. Lord, may we recognize that there is freedom in death to the law, and there is joy in being married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Meet us, we pray, in His name. Amen.